Welcome to Summer of Love Revolution. Are you ready? Hey everybody, welcome to the message. I'm really excited to be able to share with you all today. Are you enjoying our Summer of Love Revolution? series i am definitely and we're in week number three if you missed the other weeks make sure you check them out but today we are going to be diving all the way in and today we're going to be talking about temptation and purity so i have called this message today how can i protect my purity yes this is an essential question for us living in this current age because Everything around us is throwing sex and sexual images and sexual words at us. No matter what we do, it's all around, right? No matter if you're trying to watch Netflix or a movie or even the music that we listen to, or even if you're just walking down the road and something is up there, it's everywhere these days. It's everything has been hyper-sexualized. Society wants us to think about it and indulge in it. And in this society, we need to discover and learn how can I protect my purity? Because our purity is something that we need to protect. It is not something that will be protected naturally. It is something that we have to be aware of and something that we have to work towards protecting. And society doesn't care about your purity. Pornography is one click away. Did he just say that word in church? What? Yes, we're going to talk about it. Like I said, we're going to dive all the way in because temptation is all around us and it's never been more accessible or easy to access as it ever has been in the history of mankind. It is one click away. So you might be thinking, is it possible for me as a Christian, as someone that is trying to live for God, is it even possible to be pure or Have you maybe thought, you know what, this is just one area that I can't beat, I can't get right. It's just something that I have to live with. I got good news for you watching today that yes, there can be victory in Jesus' name. We can overcome temptation, but there are some things that we need to do in order to be able to protect our purity. And so today, we're going to jump into it. We're going to talk about it. And uh, I just want to make sure that people understand that this is not just a message for single people only. This is a message for everybody. Because once you get married, sometimes people think, oh, when I get married, then it's going to be finished and I'm not going to have to worry about this. No, no. It's still there after you get married. It's something for single people and married people, for young and old, for men and women, because a lot of people these days struggle in this area. So for if you are single, if you're young, old, married, man, woman, whatever, this message is going to be for you. So today, We're going to talk about how can we keep ourselves pure? How can we protect our purity? And I want to jump into a great Bible story about one of the guys in the Bible that I absolutely love. His name is Joseph. And we're going to read a bit of his story in just a bit. But just to kind of summarize uh, the events that led up to what we're going to read is that Joseph had 10 older brothers. And in this family, Joseph's father 
loved Joseph the most, or he, he showed Joseph the most attention and he, he gave him the most affection. One such example was that his father created this beautiful multicolored coat and he gave it to only Joseph and not his other son, sons. Like, ah man, like if you gave one coat to every son, I wonder what kind of problems would have been avoided. But the father didn't do that and he showed special attention to Joseph, which kind of spurred on the ire or the uh, jealousy of his older brothers who did not like Joseph. So he wasn't liked in his family outside of his you know, father and mother. And he also, Joseph, had this incredible dream from God. He had this vision about these crazy things happening that these people would be bowing down to him, signifying that he's going to have this position of power and influence. But Joseph, being a young man around 17 years old, he was a bit foolish with this information and he told the brothers that hated him, hey guys, guess what? You're going to bow down to me. Yeah, nah. Guess what happened? The brothers hated him even more for that and they said to themselves, we would be better off if Joseph wasn't even in our life. So they conspired to murder him. What a family, right? But thankfully, they didn't go that far. And well, I don't know if it's thankful or not, but they sold him into slavery. So they're like, bye, Joseph. See you later. And they shipped him off into slavery. And so we're going to pick up the story in Genesis 39 from verse 1 and see what happened after uh, Joseph was uh, sold into slavery. So Genesis 39 uh, verse 1 says, When Joseph was taken to Egypt, that's where he was sold to, by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So first of all, Potiphar is a big deal, right? This is a powerful, wealthy man. He's like the head of the FBI, right? Like that's the same equivalent that we got here. This is a powerful man with much influence and much wealth. And somehow uh, Joseph is, you know, purchased by Potiphar and he ends up in Potiphar's household. Now read this. It says the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything that he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. So the Lord was with Joseph, even in this horrendous, tough situation. Even then, God was with Joseph. It goes on to say, Potiphar noticed this. He doesn't believe in the same God as Joseph, but he noticed something different about this man and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. And from that day, Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property. The Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't have to worry about a thing except what kind of food he was going to eat. <laughs> I love how the Bible adds some of these details, right? <laughs> like Potiphar trusts this man Joseph so much that he's like, you're in charge. Everything 
I give it to you, man. You can make the decisions. You can do the things. You have access to everything. And the only thing that Potiphar had to worry about was what he was going to eat for dinner. <laughs> like, what? This is incredible. So God was with Joseph and God elevated Joseph to Potiphar's, basically his right-hand man. Isn't that crazy? This big, powerful, influential person. Joseph comes along. The Lord is with him. Gives him great success. Awesome story, right? We think that it's going to be amazing and things are going to go smoothly. But we're going to find out. It says Joseph was very handsome and he was a well-built young man. So this guy, Joseph, he's pretty buff, right? He's over here like hammering the, the things like, oh yeah, you see that? Yeah. Or he's like carrying the things on his shoulders and he's just like, <laughs> you know, he's like, he's a buff, good looking young man, right? He's an attractive man. Here's where the trouble begins. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at Joseph lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Oh, who is this woman? Get out of here. Like, this is not a good woman. And what we need to also realize is that Potiphar, being the influential and successful and wealthy man that he is, his wife is probably attractive, right? She's probably attractive. She's probably coming in with her like leopard print and walking over to Joseph and like, Joseph. And Joseph like, I yo, like, no, like, please. So this woman, she is attractive. We call this, this, <laughs> this situation, temptation. And so it says, but Joseph refused. He said, look, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except for you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against you, me, against God. You see, Joseph was a man of morals. He had principles. He had a relationship with God. And therefore, he knew what was right and what was wrong. And he knew that this situation and what this woman was trying to tempt him to do was wrong. Because Joseph had a word from God. He had a dream. He had a vision. And he knew that this vision is waiting for him. So he doesn't want to throw away the vision that he has from God for temporary pleasure. So Joseph says to her, look, please don't do this sinful thing because this is a sin against God. It's not about disrespecting you or me. This is about me and God, right? Joseph has got it. He understands. But you'd think that would be the end of the story, right? And Joseph, you know, went about his business and she left him alone. But no, says she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. But he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. So this man, Joseph, had temptation Every single day when he went to work or when he woke up, there was always this thought in his head, is she going to come around the corner? Is she going to look at me? Is she going to try to ask me to come to bed again? What is this woman going to do? And Joseph got a plan, right? He got smart. He didn't go, oh, well, I guess we'll just have to go about my business and I, I hope we'll be okay. No, 
Joseph had a plan. He said, it said he tried to keep out of her way as much as possible. This is called a good plan. This is called wisdom, being smart. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from Joseph in having a plan, having a, a strategy, because we know that temptation will come. Not if temptation will come. When temptation comes, we need a plan, we need a strategy. So we're going to see what Joseph does next. It says, one day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. This is already going to be bad because who knows that when you're alone is the time that the devil is going to come and tempt you the most. And Joseph was alone. And it says, she came out of nowhere. She knew he was alone. She came out of nowhere and grabbed him by his cloak and demanded him, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. So she was grabbing onto his clothes so tightly that when he tried to run away, she literally ripped his clothes off of him. So this is not looking good for Joseph because she's standing there with his clothes and he's run away in his underwear. This is not a good situation for him. And then you think, oh, Joseph, good job. He ran away. He should be safe. Yep, no, this woman, we're going to see. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon, all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away. But he left his cloak behind with me. This woman... This is a bad woman. This is not a good and genuine and righteous person. This woman blames everything on Joseph. She screams. And all of these men, right? Remember, the head of the FBI guy, all these bodyguards coming around. They're like, my lady, what is wrong? And she said, this man tried to rape me. It's his fault. And I bet she's putting on the show. She's screaming and wailing. Oh, oh, no, no. And you know how like Egyptian, like back in the day, they had this like mascara thing. She probably like, like rubbed it to make it look like, oh, no, this man, he tried to do this. So all these guys see her and they're like, uh-oh, oh, no. Going to find Joseph. And it's not looking good for our man, Joseph. And then it goes on to say, she kept the cloak with her until her husband came home, Potiphar, then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave that you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside leaving his cloak with me. And so what I imagine happening next is that Potiphar finds Joseph. Joseph pleads to Potiphar like, Potiphar, you know me. You trust me. I would never do this. I would never disrespect you or your wife or the God that I serve. Come on, Potiphar. You know that I wouldn't do this. But Potiphar says, sorry, Joseph. This is the, the way it is. I have to take my wife's story. You're going to jail. And so Joseph gets thrown into jail. He did the right thing. He stood for purity. He protected himself. And what does he get as a reward? He gets thrown in jail. We're listening to the story thinking like, 
Um, yeah, nah, this doesn't sound very fair, does it? But sometimes life is not fair. And sometimes temptation is going to come and we got to be ready. we got to be ready. What are we going to do when the temptation comes, whether it's going to cost us something? What is the cost for keeping our purity, right? Joseph, the cost for him keeping his purity was that he was put into jail. This doesn't seem very good, but you would think if I was Joseph, I would be, by the time I was in jail, I'd be like, God, I tried it your way. I did it. I, I did everything that you said. And this dream and this vision and this word that you gave me is not happening. God, where are you? God, why didn't this happen? Why am I here? You would think Joseph would have that kind of response, but he doesn't. And in the jail, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success with everything he did. Just the same as when Joseph was put into Potiphar's house, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord did not leave Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph in every circumstance, in every bad thing that happened to Joseph's life. God was always with him. He did not leave him. He did not forsake him. He was there and he gave him success. And in the jail, he, God gave him success so that Joseph rose through the ranks and he became the prison warden's right-hand man. Right? He became Potiphar's right-hand man, and then he became the prison warden's right-hand man. And then at the end of the, the, the story about Joseph is that after many years in jail, through some incredible events, he was able to have this face-to-face -face with the king of Egypt, the pharaoh, the big man himself. Joseph got a chance to talk to the Pharaoh and he was able to help the Pharaoh with this dream that he was having. He was able to interpret this dream that the Pharaoh had. The Pharaoh's like, this man is incredible. Put him in charge. Get him to do some stuff. And Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of the entire nation. He became the prime minister of Egypt. From the lowest of low in jail to second in command of the whole nation. Right, second in command in Potiphar's house, second in command in jail, second in command of the whole nation. I think we're seeing a pattern here, guys. And so this is what's so encouraging is that when Joseph became in that position, he was able to prevent people from starving because he was able to read this dream that there was going to be a famine for seven years. And so during the time before that, he was able to collect grain. He was able to make plans. And so they prepared. So when the famine hit... The people were okay. He literally saved the lives of the entire nation of not just Egypt, but of the surrounding nations. After that, his brothers and family came. There was this whole shenanigan and this whole thing that happened. But at the end, they were able to restore their relationship. And God absolutely blessed Joseph because God was with Joseph and he gave him success in everything he did. And so listening to this story, I know I really like, I really zoomed in on that whole story. But what I want us to pick up on today is what did Joseph do when the temptations came knocking? Because temptations, like I said, they will come knocking. And as Christians, we're going to be ready. So Christian, how can we protect our purity? Here we go. First thing we need to know, God is with us. Just like God was with Joseph and gave Joseph success in everything he did, God is with us and wants to give us success in everything he did. And 
Joseph's success was not just about, you know, uh, position or wealth or his career. Although he had success in those areas, the thing that God gave Joseph success in was saying no to temptation. Think about that. Potiphar's wife is coming on to Joseph every day, right? Joseph had to hold on to something. And what he had to hold on to was the word of God. You see, God gave Joseph this dream, this vision, and Joseph had that. He saw that and he wanted to follow that. So that when temptation came knocking, Joseph said, no, I got something bigger that I can live for. And I love it what it says in this scripture in 2 Timothy 2.22. It says, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Come on. So God is saying, flee temptation and run to where? Where am I going to run? Run to God because God is with us and God wants to help us and God can give us the power to say no, to be able to resist and flee, to give us the strength to resist temptation. Without God, good luck, because I don't think it's possible. But with God, Anything is possible and God will give us strength just like he gave Joseph strength for us to be able to overcome the temptations that will come because you'll just be watching Netflix. Oh, isn't this a great show? Finally, a show that it's got good characters, good story. There's nothing. Oh, there it is. Yep, there it is. Okay, get the fast forward, right? How many times has this happened? Or you're listening to a song. Yeah, I really like this beat. Finally, a song that's clean. Oh, no, wait, there it is. Yep, that's the word. Okay. How many times has this happened in our life? The world is trying to make us think about sex and sexual things. They're trying to throw it at us. We need something to hold on to. We need God. And we need, here's the second thing, the Word of God. In Psalm 119 verse 9, it says, How can a young person stay pure? (laughs) What a great question. I'm glad you asked. By obeying your word. Boom, there it is. There's the answer, guys. We need the word of God. Joseph had the word of God. He had that dream. He had that vision that he could hold on to and say, I am living for something bigger than the temporary pleasures that this world tries to offer me. And I love that, in, you know, in Japan, maybe overseas in America, Australia, whatever, uh, when you want to call for help, what number do you call? You call 911. In Japan, we also have a number that we call, but it's not 911, it's 119. And that's the scripture, Psalm 119. <laughs> so next time you think, I need help. God, somebody, I need some help. 119. What can a young man or a young woman do to stay pure? By obeying the Word of God. Joseph had the Word of God. He had a vision. He had a dream. And that's why I love being at church because there's so many great role models around us. So many great examples of people living a godly Christian marriage. And I remember growing up in church and being a single person as an adult as well and seeing these incredible marriages around me and thinking, God, I want that. I want that. That looks good. I want to be able to have a rich and fulfilling marriage, not a small temporary perverted pleasure that comes with the temptations of this world. 
And the last thing I want to say, like Joseph, he had a plan. He had a strategy. We too need a strategy. And the best strategy that I could give you is one word. It's called accountability. Oh, don't you love it? (laughs) Most people don't. But this is what's going to help us. This is how we're going to protect our purity in this sex-drenched culture. We need accountability. We need to be able to open ourselves up and to be able to confess the things that we struggle with, right? Because pornography is out to get us. Pornography is everywhere. It is one click away. This kind of stuff has never been so easily accessible in the history of mankind. But here we are in 2022, and we are one click away from falling into temptation. We need accountability. We need somebody that we can open up to, somebody that we can trust. And I have experienced this in my life. I have experienced the the struggles and the temptations of pornography. And I have fallen short, but I remember the time when I was able to finally bring all of that to light, bring all of that shame and guilt and all of that stuff I was struggling with to the light and ask somebody for help, ask somebody for prayer. And when I did that, it was like I felt my heart literally become lighter because I finally was able to bring everything to the light. I was had no more dark corners in my life. The devil wants to come along and say, you, you Christian, you shouldn't be doing that. Therefore, you cannot tell anybody about this because it will change how you are. You Christian leader, you can't tell people about this because it will change who you are and how people see you. And so sometimes we keep these things hidden in the dark, but God is a good Father. And our Father wants us to have a rich and fulfilling life and a rich and fulfilling marriage with sex that is unashamed, that has no dark corners. God wants to fulfill our lives, but we need to erase the dark corners in our life. And I love what it says in this scripture in James 5:16. It says, "Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed." The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Can I tell you that I can I am living proof. I am a living testimony of the power of this scripture because when I was able to finally confess and tell somebody about this thing that had I had been struggling with that had been holding me back that had been keeping me in this place of feeling guilt when I was finally able to confess that to somebody I experienced the healing that it talks about in the scripture. I was able to experience the freedom. It was like chains breaking off of my life. Now, does that mean all of my temptations disappeared? No, there are still temptations. But by confessing our sins, we now break the power of temptation. And I can guarantee the more you can say no to temptation, the less power that temptation has over your life. So if you are struggling with this today and you're thinking, I can't do this, I can't open up, let me tell you, yes, you can. 
please do it because you can experience the freedom and healing that God wants you to experience. God wants you to live a full and fulfilled life. So come on guys, I really encourage you. It is shameful. It doesn't feel good. It is embarrassing, but I don't want to live there anymore. I don't want to have those dark corners in my life anymore. It is time to get free. It is time to get healed. And if that's you today, I want to pray with you. And so wherever you are, if you feel comfortable, I would like to ask you to raise your hands with me. And we're going to pray that this power of temptation will be broken off of your life in Jesus' name. Are you ready? Let's pray and believe this. Yes, God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you, first of all, that you are a good father, that you want good things for us, that you do not look at us with shame and content and you think and you write us off. But God, you are a Father that is continually trying to bring us back to you, trying to get us to open up, God. So I pray that right now, anyone that is struggling with temptation, struggling with pornography, I pray that that would be broken in Jesus' name, that you would heal them, that you would set them free, and that you would give them the strength to open up to somebody that they will be able to confess and that they will be able to release all of that guilt and all of that shame that has been building in their heart, God. We don't want any more dark corners in our life, God. We want your light and all of your light to shine on all of our life, God. So we pray that you touch us afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And lastly, if you want to believe in Jesus, I got good news for you that today you can accept Jesus. If you want to come back to Jesus, today you can come back to Jesus because none of this is possible without Jesus. We need Jesus in our life first and foremost so that we can have power over sin. And that's what Jesus did for us when He died on the cross. He died to take our sin, to take our shame, so that three days later when He rose again in power, He gave us that same power that can overcome sin and shame and death. And if that sounds good to you, and if you want to try Jesus, then I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to say now. When I say now, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand or to accept Jesus into your life. God loves you, and He's ready to accept you. He loves you, and He wants a relationship with you. So three, two, one. Now, if you want to accept Jesus, why don't you make that decision in your heart? Come on. Let me pray for you all really quickly. Yes, God, I thank you for these amazing people. I pray right now you would come into their life, that they would feel you, they would experience you in a powerful way, that you would wipe away the sin and shame, the guilt from the past, all of the sins, all their mistakes are gone in Jesus' name, that today they are a new creation, that you have made them white, you have made them clean in Jesus' name. And I pray that you help them live an incredible life and you guide them in Jesus' name. Everyone said Amen, amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's message. We've got another great message coming from this relationship series next week. So make sure you tune in for that. But for today, that's it. See you guys. Have a great week. Catch you later.